Hello everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravallen and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. Before we finish this year, we thought it would be useful to recap and see what's been going on in financial markets in 2022. It's been quite a shocking year for the stock markets and a year of radical change when we look at interest rates, rises and the implications this represents for the banking sector. To discuss these topics, I'm joined by Alice Faibyshenko, Senior Advisor at Funkas Think Tank and a founding partner of E3 Partnership a firm focused on market intelligence and advisory services. Welcome to the Future is Blue podcast, Elise. Thank you, Carlos, very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Excellent. You're welcome. So uh, before that, we focus on the content of the latest two issues of CIFO, which is the key Funkas publication that we've covered uh, before in this podcast. Alice, I wanted to discuss a bit the overall situation in the markets. For example, there's been massive stock market corrections during the year. So what, what sectors have been most affected? Uh, thanks, Carlos. Yeah, it's a very good question. Just kind of the overall picture. It's true that the losses have been massive and many financial actors have been affected with these losses and all the turmoil that we've seen. Just to kind of get an idea, as of the fall, about $15 trillion have vanished from U.S. stock markets. And this is, these are record levels, very much in line with what we saw during the 2008 financial crisis. And despite the destruction, though, it's actually interesting because the effects have been somewhat limited. Some of that can be attributed to the greater concentration of wealth in the U.S. stock market. Uh, also, the housing market until now has held up relatively well. And also, much of the effect has been concentrated among high earners. Then we shouldn't forget also that there have been a lot of post-2008 crisis reforms which have also helped. And this is combined more recently with COVID stimulus packages. At the EU level, basically the stock market also has had a very, very poor performance this year. Um, we wiped out about 4.5 trillion um, euros of stock and bond markets combined. Um, in terms of sectors, the tech sector, which had been benefiting strongly in the run-up till now and throughout COVID, has been one of the most affected. Um, today, we're seeing declining stock prices in the tech sector, a lot of projects that are being restricted. So, Alice, are, I'm curious to know, are there some sectors doing better than, than others? Yes, I mean, we mentioned the sector that's performing poorly was the tech sector. But in terms of the, the banking sector, for example, they're not suffering uh, as dramatically as some of the other sectors. In fact, we think that the banks are relatively well positioned in this period of, of monetary tightening. All right. So um, moving on a bit. So now that interest rates are increasing quite dramatically, we've seen rises in the in the eurozone. We've seen rises in the in the UK, also in the US. Is the situation uh, much better for banks from a profitability point of view? Well, first off, just to contextualize these changes that you're mentioning, 
We should point out that the rising rates are really part of the normalization of financial conditions. We're finally exiting these extraordinary conditions that we've seen really since the 2007-2008 period of the financial crisis. So banks will have opportunities in this new interest rate environment to boost profitability. But the news is not all good. For example, the economic environment is, is very complex. We have a high level of uncertainty. There's high inflation. There's a deterioration of confidence. So let's see going forward also the impact of rising rates on loan growth. Will there be as much loan demand when interest rates go up? Also, there are concerns on the vulnerability of the corporate sector and NPLs. From, from a sol we're not talking so much from a solvency standpoint, but really what will be the impact on cost of capital, market perceptions. How would you say that these dynamics are playing out in particularly when we look at the Spanish banking sector? Well, on the positive side, we'd like to kind of highlight that the Spanish banks are continuing to reduce their costs, to increase their efficiency. Here, really, they're the front runners in the EU on this. In terms of profitability, like many other banking sectors, they're still facing challenges. It's improving, but we're still below the double-digit returns that we saw before the financial crisis, so, so there's still a way to go. Um, this is interesting to explore. Um, that rate increases and bank profitability does not have then have such a straightforward linear correlation. Uh, why is this the case? No, it's true that, that net interest income for the banks is, is very correlated to the Eurobor. So with rising Eurobor, we do expect to see considerably higher net interest income. In Spain, that's even more the case where we have a high degree of floating rate transactions, floating rate mortgages. However, we do need to keep in mind two things. One, there are different sensitivities of asset and liabilities in terms of repricing. And two, the rapidity of which of, of the interest rate rises. So for instance, drilling down on those points a little bit, loans are more sensitive to Eurobor than deposits, but loans take time to reprice. And also we have to consider the growth of fixed rate uh, mortgages, for example, in Spain, where there are about 25% of all mortgage transactions, and that's grown in, the, in recent years. Also, in terms of the floating rates, the repricing will be staggered over time. We're talking about a 12-month period or so. So the bottom line is that we won't see this immediate positive impact of the higher interest rates feeding through to net interest income. So basically, the, the assets are not fully repriced, but the funding costs have already started to increase. So we need to consider all these factors when we're looking at the overall profitability outlook. Well, what about the outlook for non-performing loans in, in Spain? I think we touched on this in a previous podcast episode that maybe there's been some some new trends regarding non-performing loans. Any, any news in this area? Yes, it's, it's actually an interesting situation. And for, for Spain, you know, non-performing loans, it's, it's an issue that everybody is watching because we're getting into a period where the, the schemes, the, the guarantee schemes are running, you know, they're going to be ending. Um, soon we're going to see the effects of that. And the, the interesting situation so far is that the result in Spain has been more favorable than expected. Uh, despite COVID, despite the war, Spanish banks' MPLs have not increased, thanks to the different schemes that we mentioned, the furlough scheme, the credit relief schemes. But we do need to point out that there's been significant differentiation across sectors. For example, as you would expect, leisure, entertainment, those sectors have fared worse compared to other sectors in Spain, but also comparatively at the EU level. So now going into a situation where GDP keeps being revised downwards and inflation is still high, we may see an inflection point in, in MPLs in the coming months for, for, for the Spanish banks. So as they're doing, they should, they should continue to keep their provisions up and, and not relax on that front.
Uh, so Alice, uh, thank you for all those insights. And I think maybe we can recommend to our audience uh, the, the latest C4 reports that I think have a lot of um, information about the topics we just covered. Is that right? The, the topics that we covered that focus more on kind of the normalization of financial conditions, the impact for the financial sector overall, um, and kind of the different uh, impact from rising interest rates on the net interest income that we can find more detail on on those topics in the September issue of the CEFO, whereas the issues related to non-performing loans that we cover quite in depth in our November publication. All right, Ali. So what I'm going to do, uh, you will find all of you the links for these two uh, CEFO publications in the show notes of this podcast. And uh, I want to thank Alice for uh, uh, giving us so many insights about so many interesting topics. Uh, as always, a pleasure. Uh, let me remind everyone that Alice Fabyshenko is a senior advisor at Funkasting Tank and a founding partner of the E3 partnership. So Alice, many thanks. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you very much. All right. Stay well. Take care. Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero-Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all, and stay well.